when you are going into conversations with your business partner, don't go in thinking, hey, I've got this. I know this. Go in with the mindset of, hey, what is it that she or he is going to share that is going to be valuable that I didn't necessarily have the perspective on that I can take and maybe look at a different perspective to invite that in that we can create a unit rather than just have it be my thought or her thought. Those, those would be my two things. What if you could reclaim hours of free time each week, create legacy building wealth, and devote more energy to your passion projects without giving up on your career as a life-saving MD? Dr. Vikram Raya is a functional cardiologist, high-performance coach, and real estate expert, is here to give you the tools, strategies, and solutions you need to transform your life. Unlock your limitless potential and achieve greatness, all while freeing up your precious time. Welcome to Limitless MD. Let's dive in. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Limitless MD. I'm so excited today to have uh, two good friends here, Drs. Sharissa and Alexandro. Guys, not only are they thinking outside the box, not only are they busy family-oriented uh, folks, uh, you know, Sharissa was a family physician practicing with OB for multiple months. Alex is a chiropractor physician, ran a multidisciplinary center, but they figured out a different strategy to really not only help themselves, but help others. And it, and it happened during the COVID crisis. So we're going to talk about all that, but they figured out a new form of medicine that is, uh, I think it's, it's going to popularize all across the globe here. And it's called virtual medicine, also known as telemedicine. And they're one of the forefronts and leaders in helping physicians get into the space. So, guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank Good you. to be here. It's yeah. Great to meet you in person. Well, yeah. kind of in person. He stays in person. Virtually, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get into it, guys. Um, you know, I've popularized the the concept of locums in the sense that I think it's helped me in my life really thrive. Because I didn't know any better. I didn't realize there's other options besides locums or, you know, working outside of medicine. So you're giving people, and specifically, I'm talking about physicians, you're giving them an option to make good income on their terms, and they have flexible time, flexible geography, perhaps, and yeah. perhaps they can even get to financial freedom. Is that right? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's totally I'm all right. ears. Let's go, guys. Like, yeah. how the heck did that happen? Yeah. And so, and it's interesting. It's kind of like, cause we didn't know any better. I mean, this was back in 2015 and I was working not a couple of months, but a couple of years, you, you said a couple of months, um, a couple of years, almost 10 years, family medicine with OB and was working 70 to 90 hours a week, which before I had kids was fine for me, kind of, I I was fine. Alex was mountain biking all weekend long and I was a workaholic and, and I didn't really know any better. Like that would have continued had I not had kids and Alex had a sports med rehab clinic and, um, and we were just working our butts off. And then when we had kids and we were trying to figure out how to balance and we were relying on the, um, on the daycare forms, um, and Alex calls it door, day orphanage. Um, we, it just wasn't working. We were not able to figure out how we were going to make this work. We were living from paycheck to paycheck. And, and I know that so many of you know how that goes. Um, and we were just trying to figure out what we were going to do to get out of this space. Um, and 
like freedom and flexibility were our goals. It, it was not about money. It was about freedom and flexibility. Mm-hmm. And so when I decided to step away from my practice, it was urgent care, locums, and some telemedicine on the site. I had I have no idea how I even found this at the time in 2015, but I was doing some telemedicine on the side. Um, and then that turned into more telemedicine on the side. And we we just kind of figured out how to make it work full time over the course of a couple of years, well before everybody else even knew about it. And I think the driving, I mean, at the end of the day, when we sit down and we kind of reflect back on history and, and where, where, where did we start and how did that all come to fruition? It was, we had this realization that the dream that we had created and the reality that we were living were not aligned. And a lot of people were saying, oh, you guys are crazy. Like, you can't pull that off. You got to do this. You got to do it that way. And we were just, I mean, I don't know. We were smart enough, dumb enough. Like, you figure out which one. Um, But we decided to do something different. And we were not going to let other people tell us what we couldn't, couldn't do. (laughs) I want to stop right there, guys. So the talking heads started yapping. Always. Listen. So a lot of doctors there, they have, they're courageous. They want to do something big, something different. And um, or they want to practice uh, medicine, but they need a little bit of uh, flexibility or freedom, like they're they're seeking that, but they still love yeah. the, ma- the the actual art of medicine. Help mm-hmm. me understand why did you guys take such a strong stand on this and go out off the proven pathway, and weren't you scared? Well, uh, I think so. Two pieces we can dive into this. One, my wife's a rebel. Two, I believe that you jump off the cliff and you grow wings on the way down. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't follow the rules <laughs> at all, and so um, was that. Was yeah. that was that true growing up as well, or is this, was it something recent that you started developing? No, I I don't follow rules. I yeah, I I just um, I got through medical school somehow, but it was um, definitely a window of time in my life where I somehow put my like voice in my pocket and just kind of got through. But for the most, for the most um, of my life, I, I fight authority. And, um, and so in so it general, was probably you know, like, natural for you to do something entrepreneurial. Yeah. And I, I mean, it was actually, it was actually really challenging for me to come back into this because I had, it had been like taught out of me over my medical school training. And so I inherently, I think am entrepreneurial and like to kind of take the road less traveled, but through the medical school path, I learned to keep my mouth shut. And I, um, I learned that if I wanted to get through this, I have to follow the rules. And, and so um, I, I understand how challenging it is for people because I had to I had to undo a lot of these bad habits that I learned throughout this medical school training that weren't serving me that made it really challenging to you know to kind of come back into this alignment with myself. So let me let me bring in Alex in the conversation. So Alex, um, you were working as a chiropractor. You ran this uh, sports rehab thing. You had mm-hmm. 80 plus hours. Uh, 
she was already thinking about something else. What made you join her and put all your eggs in one basket versus, hey, maybe I'll do my own entrepreneurial thing. Usually the chiropractors, I know I have a lot of friends that are chiropractors. Uh, they're very entrepreneurial. Um, yeah. They're into a lot of different spaces. What made you, first of all, working with your wife is also can be a little bit of a challenge. So let's let's touch on that a little bit. Or so, you're working with your husband or spouse, always working together in the same thing. Yeah. Totally. Um, I, I think one, I've been an entrepreneur, I mean, since, you know, 14, 15 years old, just having that mindset and that drive. So this is not my first entrepreneurial venture. At least my medical practice was not my first venture. I, I've been that way all throughout. It's been a long history of that. So I already had that aptitude, that mindset of the entrepreneur space to begin with. What brought us together was a passion for coaching. And we have been exposed to the coaching realm, you know, years ago. Um, it's been nine, 10 years that we've been in that capacity in some form. And for me, that was the big piece that I think really brought the two of us into the same project was I we both had a passion for helping people, no question. And our our experiences through medicine, albeit different. They eventually came back into unison when we realized like our bigger fight and our bigger battle cry was actually to help physicians go out there and live a better life and create a different life. And that was the that was really the underlying factor, I think, that brought us back together. And we said, okay, these are the things you do well. These are the things you do well. If we put them together and we figure out how to make this work, then it's kind of exponential that we'll do well in that space. So I think that that would be my answer to that piece. But uh, hey, working with your spouse, um, that's a that's a work in progress. It still is a work in progress, right? And <laughs> I guess to that, I think that what we, are some we, tips? What what are some three things that people should know or maybe incorporate or have 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 maybe as a skill set or as a, as an understanding if they're going to work with their spouse in their business? Man, um, we can we can spend some time. So we'll try to abbreviate this. From my perspective, I think that the two things that come to mind, one, make sure that you create some kind of space and time that's not business related. And I think two, always go into conversations. And it is a daily reminder, at least for me, I'm just not that good yet, but I'm practicing. Um, But when you are going into conversations with your business partner, don't go in thinking, hey, I've got this. I know this. Go in with the mindset of, hey, what is it that she or he is going to share that is going to be valuable that I didn't necessarily have the perspective on that I can take and maybe look at a different perspective to invite that in that we can create a unit rather than just have it be my thought or her thought. Those those would be my two things. Also, what you got. Uh, one of the things that I feel like has really helped us, and we're not always awesome at it, but when we are awesome at it, it, it change, it's life-changing, is doing a weekly meeting. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, as, a, as, as a business partner or as a husband's wife? You know, it both. both. And so we okay. when we do a weekly meeting, um, like Sunday is usually the day that we do it. And so... Um, we, when we do a weekly meeting, when we have a lot of business going on, we do two meeting meetings. We do one weekly meeting for our family and one weekly meeting for our business. Um, and sometimes we combine them, but, um, so sometimes it's a family meeting, sometimes it's, but it's so helpful to have that in check. And, um, and a lot of times when we've had some really hard things going on in our marriage, we, uh, I would, 
not deal with those things as they come up. I would write them down and address them in our weekly meeting. And it really helped me um, to just like take the emotion out of them when things were happening and be able to like address them at, at a given time. Guys, uh, I don't know if you just caught that if you're listening, but that was very powerful what uh, Sharissa just shared. It's uh, essentially don't react. She's responding, but she's having a, there's a distance between the emotion or the trigger or the issue and the resolution, which happens perhaps a couple of days later. And so it just de-escalates the whole situation and it becomes more strategy versus, you know, uh, blame or criticism or you know that all that kind of stuff so that's beautiful thank you for that all right sometimes alex is like what are you doing and i'm like i'm taking notes (laughs) and so i'm gonna get you later alex i got you yeah it's it's all good it's all good all right so uh, (laughs) let's talk about this so you were a successful virtual medicine person and then you decided to now coach others in doing that but before we go to the coaching part let's talk about keep it short keep it tight keep it right Keep it light. What is virtual medicine and uh, what are the pros and the cons? Really short and sweet. Um, And it's interesting because in other countries, they don't know what telemedicine is even after COVID. So it's seeing a a doctor being or a provider seeing a patient online in a patient visit. And so um, that is what I've been doing and it is in a million different types of ways um mm-hmm. since 2015 um and, um and has covid accelerated this or slowed absolutely. it down or is it about the same yeah it's excel it's accelerated it in a lot of ways it's um uh a lot of hundreds of new companies have come on the scene um there's you know, a lot of uh growth in the digital health world. There's a lot of new opportunities. Um, The digital health world has been around for decades, but the COVID years amplified and accelerated that growth. And so I would say that the pros are there's flexibility for physicians. There's flexibility for patients. It improves access for patients, um, it, it's more convenient. It improves follow up, um, and you know, pay, more patients will end up showing up for the appointments. Um, there are, I, I mean, it's, I think that there's so many. Um, any any drawbacks? Um, I mean, there are obviously things that we cannot do over telemedicine. Um, and and so there are definitely things that we need to send patients in to be seen in person for. And so I don't think that I would call those drawbacks. I think some patients don't understand what those are. And so as physicians, we just need to be okay. clear about it. But what's anything else? Let, let me ask you a question about uh, this is probably going to be on every listener's mind. Is this an insurance? Is this cash? Is this hybrid? Or is there even a fourth model that I haven't even talked about? It's all of the above. Um, There are more insurance models than there were before COVID. Um, There's a lot of cash models. There are subscription models um, that are working really well in the telehealth world. Um, remote patient monitoring is reimbursed really well. 
And, and so there's actually a lot of opportunities for good reimbursement with that for insurance. Um, and um, insurance will continue to reimburse with telemedicine. I know there's a lot of questions about that, um, but I think that there will be a continued hybrid model um, because um, I think, you know, there there's still drawbacks to insurance and we don't all want to take insurance and we don't all want to deal with insurance. But like, for instance, with remote patient monitoring, the, the ability to take advantage of the insurance reimbursement for remote patient monitoring, it's silly not to for patients that have chronic diseases and, and could have that paid for. And so for some conditions that that's available and we should be using it. Um, so I know this was a big thing when, when, uh, when I was practicing cardiology, the heart failure uh, clinics, they had a huge remote monitoring component. So yeah, I, t- I totally get what you're saying. So let's talk about this. Uh, let's say, and I, I don't need names, but like, let's say some of your most successful coaching clients. And I think now you have a group coaching program. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, great. Some of your most successful coaching clients, what kind of, and they went all in to this virtual medicine model. What, What's like a compensation range, uh, and and, and what does their lifestyle look like? Maybe like I mean, in terms of how many days they're working. Can you mm-hmm. just maybe per month or per week? Uh, we as listeners are probably like you know on our edge, saying, "Hey, is this real for me? And can I make this work? And how much monthly nut do I need to make so I can actually let go of the day job?" Mm-hmm. I, th- I think for we probably both can add to this. I think for for most people. Um, it's really one, it's it's coming to a place of understanding where you truly are currently. And when you do that, you quickly realize that your dollar per hour is not as impressive as it initially sounds. When you take that into consideration, most docs who are getting into this space and they're like you're saying, going all in and making the transition, they can replace their income. And we're talking family medicine, um, internalists, right? Um, emergency medicine. Um, you can replace your current income in about half the time you're currently working. Um, so family, PCP, ER, those are the top professions that would really benefit from this? ICU I mean, maybe? Uh, so, I mean, any outpatient, um, primary care, internal medicine, intern, and, um, ER, any of those, which is kind of similar to what I've done, I have taught to... I mean, I doubled my income in half the time. And so I have taught to do that. I've taught multiple people to do that. I have multiple people that are specialists and hospitalists that have also, um, that I've also coached that have, that can also do that. But that is, um, that is not necessarily what I've done. And so when Alex is talking about those, those specialties that are similar to me, Um, the reason he's using those, it's because that's what I've done. And that is kind of the, the model that we had based it on. Um, but the, so, so they can basically make the same income, but work half as much, which is great. And I know, uh, locums can also hit those goals. So these are really viable options, but not many physicians go after them. Why do you think that is? People don't know how to access it. They don't know what to do. And I, understand it because I am because wa- I watch people that we work with kind of flounder if they aren't very plugged into me as they get out there afterwards. 
um, I check in with people from time to time to see how they're doing. And I see how they're navigating their, their telehealth practices. And I realize some of the kind of things that they're doing along the way. So, so let's get, uh, let's, Sharissa and Alex, let's get into the details. Yeah. Let me get into the details there. What are like the three things that or the pitfalls that people do once they sign up to a telemedicine thing? Cause I, I really want people to understand, Hey, look, here, there's a lot of opportunity, but you got to be careful. So what are the things to be careful about? You're wanting to talk. Yeah, no, no. I was just okay. going to add something to the, the last question, which I think is relevant. And we can tie okay. that into here. And so the question, the big question, hey, well, what keeps people and what are pitfalls? For most docs that are working full time these days, they're actually not working 40 hours. I mean, most of us would go, yeah, OK, I don't work a 40 hour a week. I work way more than that, but I get paid that. So with that being said, it's really hard to put yourself into the mindset, let alone the space of figuring out how to thrive when you can barely fight to stay alive, right? So there's this survive versus thrive piece that really kicks in first. And if you were able to get back some time, and we've seen this so many times, when you can get back a little bit of time into your life, that all of a sudden starts to open up the creative centers of the mind. And in the process of doing that, the things that you once would have said are impossible now become when I do that or how can I do that? And it changes your mindset radically. So the things to stay away from, I think, is really one, venues and and people that are going to drag you down that space to close down the door of what's possible. That's a big one. I think another one is people getting into the space thinking that they're going to pull this off with one or two licenses. We realized, you know, nine, 10 years ago, that one of the keys was to have multiple licenses. And just even within the past four month window, what was once a minimum of 10 now has become a minimum of 20 state licenses, which for docs that aren't in this space, that is so far out there to think I'm going to be licensed in 20 different states. Okay. But that's the companies are realizing the profitability behind doing that. And when you actually have that kind of volume of state licenses, you realize the profitability behind that. And it's a huge hurdle for a lot of people, both mentally as well as with regards to resources. That's so those are two really big ones. I'm sure Sharissa can add a couple. Yeah. I mean, I think that the couple of things is doctors are so used to working with one company. Yeah. And like true. kind of totally going true. all in with one company. Totally and true. the and the mindset that I've had is having multiple companies that I'm working with mm-hmm. and um and having and really kind of stacking and um diversification i mean i think that it's everything that you teach but it's having multiple opportunities that i'm leveraging um yeah. it's um being a medical director it's having some leadership opportunities it, i mean it's thinking about yeah. myself as an expert in the space it's having some collabor like mm-hmm. nurse practitioner collaboration opportunities it's um it's thinking it's doing some consulting it um it, and so i i feel like doctors just don't necessarily think of themselves that way when they're applying for a, a job somewhere, but yeah. that is, I mean, we are experts in 
in our field, we are experts as physicians. And so we're, we don't go need to, we shouldn't be going to, and then we're also, we shouldn't just like look for a job posting. We just apply, we just put our name out there and we, the, jo- the jobs don't need to be posted. They all need us. And so, um, so I like, we can be, when I was working from the very beginning, I would have like five different platforms open at one time. And I've always had that mindset because, um, I mean, when I've worked- Guys, this is amazing. I really want to share this insight I just had from you guys sort of teaching me, but it's, it's, first of all, you go from survival to thrival, right? Essentially, right? That, that mindset shift. Number two, it's really realizing that the solo license game doesn't exist anymore. You got to have 20, 30 licenses. And and then the third one is really um, uh, working with a collection of companies versus just a solo company. And, and then uh, it's the mindset of a free agent. You really have to see yourself as a free agent with your arbitrage of licenses, your skill sets, your collection of companies. So you're not beholden to any one thing and you just go for the, the most fulfilling, highest paid opportunity out there so wow thank you for breaking it down that is amazing i love that and it's kind of the idea i mean we used to joke about i guess we still do right i mean from the neck down we're all worth about a burrito an hour but from the neck up like totally different story and when you start to make the shift that you were just even putting out there um you start to realize that you bring much more worth than a happy meal you know an hour like how much value do you put on what you bring mentally into a space and the value that you can add? And those two numbers are radically different. So I want to shift now to what you guys did, which is on top of all the stuff you've already talked about, you've created a coaching program. I know so many physicians out there who are doing things, but they're struggling and you're successful. Help us understand maybe the top three steps in creating a successful physician coaching program? Ooh, that's a great question right there. This is kind of my mindset is uh, along the way, I was actually talking to um, Mary Parman, who is one of your listeners, who is also one one of um, my coaching clients. And yeah, she introduced um, she us, actually, her and Sangeeta. Yeah, huh. well, she, she was yeah. one of the people. Her and Sangeeta. She, her and Sangeeta. And yeah. She, yeah. she calls me her gateway drug to knowing uh-huh. there were other things available. Um, and she's amazing. I love her. Um, and I feel like as a coach, I, what working with physicians, I, every time I work with a new, another physician, I, I realize that like, I find all of these problems that are available. And then I like, I'm like, okay. And there's like 10 new businesses I can think of to solve these problems. And every time I am working with a a new physician, I feel like I can, I can help them build 10 businesses. And, and I think that that has, this is, I mean, this has been for me, the like creative centers of the brain that have opened up as I've stepped away from like my W2 income and not every doctor wants to build a business, but for me, I think that um, the my coaching business has been kind of my opportunity to build businesses and entrepreneurial businesses and help other physicians build entrepreneurial businesses. And um, and most of it has been like opportunities to fail and then and then 
fix like my failures and find opportunities to make them better um, because I have made a million mistakes. I was listening to a podcast that you had on Alden Mills. And and after that, you introduced him. (laughs) He said, I want to add one more thing to the introduction. And I've failed way more than I've succeeded or something along those lines. And I love that so much because I think that as physicians, we learn throughout our training not to fail. I mean, if we fail, we kill patients. And so it is like part of our training and our culture that it's not okay to fail. And as an entrepreneur, it's like the complete opposite. You have to fail. I mean, as a human being, it's the complete opposite. As a baby, you fall and then you have to get back up. And so I just think that it's such a huge part of the entrepreneurial learning process and like the process of just personal growth. I think so, Teresa, that- I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, uh, cause again, people really w- would love your expertise on this and same thing with you, Alex, what makes a successful coaching program and what have you guys sort of, how did you guys pull this off? Yeah. So I'll add to that. <laughs> um, I'm really good at think, not answering the questions. I think one of the pieces, and I'm just going to speak to our success in our coaching program, right? It's multifaceted where, yes, there's the opportunity to actually get into a different vehicle that gives you the potential to create a revenue stream. So for most docs that are looking to get out of where they're at, for whatever reason, the number one thing that we have found that keeps them locked in there is they're going, what the heck am I going to do to generate this kind of revenue? So first part, we actually have a vehicle that can help them replace their revenue stream. That's number one. Number two, you have to get to a place of really doing the work to unlock the individual Mm -hmm. and help that individual figure out who they are. Because by the time they go through all of their training before med school, then med school, then their residency, now they've been practicing for 10, 15 years, their identity becomes either DR at the front of their name or MD at the back of their name. And the reality is, is that's not who they are. They've become so much more than that through those years of experience. So a huge piece is really doing the work to help the, the the students and the clients to unlock themselves so that they know more align with who they are and not necessarily put on this facade every day of, I'm a doctor, I go to work to see patients. There's so much more than that. And helping them learn that and really get excited about figuring that out, that is a massive piece just about helping people create success as a whole. I mean, as a coach, you even know this, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So you take those two pieces and then you put into that a community because we all, it's the one thing that's a common denominator amongst all of us is a sense of belonging and community. And when you can create a community and that community is built upon really one foundational piece, and that is like-minded individuals pulling together to help elevate everybody else, like how do you not create success in that? You, you awesome. literally create that. You create the environment and the culture to to really help people do things that you know six months ago, twelve months ago, whatever ago they didn't even think was possible. And that, for I think both of us, is really 
the most exciting thing, and it's the thing that keeps us getting up day after day doing what we do, is fighting for that time when you're working with somebody and you see the light bulb come back on Mm -hmm. and they see a radically different future on the life yet lived. That's awesome. Guys, guys, if you didn't catch that, Alex just nailed it. Uh, Right vehicle, expanding uh, their identity, and then creating a philosophically aligned community. Wow. If you combine those, he says, success is inevitable. And I agree with him. And so Mm -hmm. that is super powerful. So as we wrap up here, guys, uh, your top favorite book you've read in the last 12 months and not, we don't, we don't want to go back in history and look at all the books that we all like. I want some new stuff. (laughs) Last 12 months, top favorite book. And then uh, we'll end with where, where, where people can find you and how can they, they can work with you. Go ahead. Sharissa first. And then Mr. Alex. Yeah, I think it's a little bit longer ago than 12 months, but I just thought of it. I Alex just reminded me of it. Extreme Ownership. Yeah, it's a great book. Awesome. Jocko Willink, guys. Next. And, uh, you know, uh, kind of along the same lines, I picked this. It's it's probably one of the books that I still pick up on a consistent and regular basis. And that would be Jim Quick, Limitless. Boom. Hey, guys. This is the Limitless MD podcast. Thanks for the <laughs> unofficial plug, even though it's not my book. I'll take it. Uh, love it. All right, great. How can people work? Uh, what's the name of your coaching program and how can people work with you? The coaching program is called From Here to There, Leveraging Telemedicine. And um, we actually have a couple of webinars coming up. We're going to be starting our fall cohort on October 15th. We have a webinar on um September 13th, September 18th, and September 24th. Um, we'll put those um, links um, in your show notes. Awesome. Uh, and um, and then you can find you know just links and and all the and all the you know regular places: Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. You can you can easily find us there. And then we yeah. and then we'll give you um yeah you have a link for us. Yeah, awesome. We'll have a link in the in the show notes, guys. You want to get into Sharissa and Alex's ecosystem. They do know what they're doing and they're really on a mission to help physicians achieve not just money, but really flexibility and their ideal life. So thank you guys for being on the show. Amazing, amazing, amazing. A lot of uh, gems and nuggets. Uh, And guys, thanks again for supporting the podcast. We're growing. Uh, We're one of the top physician podcasts out there now. Appreciate all the support. Also catch us on our YouTube as well. All right. Until next time, guys, be phenomenal. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Limitless MD. If you found value from this episode, I encourage you to share this episode with a friend and let me know by leaving a review. For more information, make sure you check out the links in the show notes below or simply visit VikramRaya.com. Until next time, be phenomenal. Be phenomenal.